Well, I'm preaching off my iPad for the first time. We'll see how this goes. This right here is called security, though. I have it right here on my, uh, <clears throat> my flap uh, inside here. Already there's been trouble, and I fixed it, I think. But uh, we'll, we'll see how we do here. We're talking about how to support one another. Too often the thought is, everybody needs to support me. But that's not what creates great families, that attitude. The attitude that creates great families is, how can I support the other family members? And that's the way God does things. I saw a Facebook post from one of our guys that I thought was brilliant. Here's what it said. Today, People Magazine voted Beyonce as the most beautiful woman in the world. Obviously, they've never seen my wife. I just thought that was brilliant. It's the kind of uh, support that we need to be successful. After all, the world is after us and wants to bash us and make things hard on us. We need to support one another in our homes. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. <clears throat> With that kind of encouragement that that uh, young man gave his wife, uh, it's, it's going to go pretty well if, uh, if, if people understand the need of supporting one another in those ways. Let's pray before I begin with these three thoughts today. Father, come and move by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord, and that's why we're here. We're opening our hearts. Even as Pastor Ken said, what a cool thought that was. Just open our hearts and let the cool breeze of the Holy Spirit come through and bless our lives. Would you do that today, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So first, let's talk about how to support your child or your children. I, I'll probably talk in terms of younger children, but these are principles that work no matter how old your children are. And um, maybe you don't have children, but you may have them coming. And uh, you, you want to catch this principle. Proverbs 22.6 sheds some light on that. Train up a child in the way, we're going to emphasize the way here today, mostly out of this verse, he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So train up. That direction up means toward God, for the glory of God. We're training them up towards God for the glory of God. That might not be a thought in your mind. You just might want a good kid who doesn't do drugs. I, I would like you to aspire to something greater than that. Training them up toward God with their life focus to give him glory. That creates an incredible adventure and an amazing life for a child. So how do we do that? Well, we protect and build them up by teaching them God's word, right? We make that a priority in their hearts that they know it, that they understand it. And one of the ways we can do that is by doing what the Bible says in Hebrews where it says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints together. I want to commend the parents that are here and have kids here today. You get it. You understand. I want to commend the ones that put their kids in youth group and children's church and small groups and and think of FCA at high school and those sort of things. If you're thinking that way and you're helping them get connected with good friends, see, that's maybe what you miss when you don't understand that they get the wrong set of friends in school and there can be major trouble. You have to be careful the company you keep. But if you keep them in the right atmospheres with the word of God, they'll find the right kind of people and they'll still be able to reach out to those around them. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Now think of that. 
Do you have a mindset to understand that there's an enemy who would like to destroy your children? And are you doing all you can to protect them and keep them in the right atmosphere? When I read that verse this week, I couldn't help think about the video that I saw that that was uh, flying around on YouTube, and it was at the Portland Zoo just a week and a half ago. Check out this, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't help that he has a zebra <laughs> coat on there, does it? <laughs> Point is, the Bible says. You know why those parents aren't worried? Because there's a really nice barrier between their child and the lion. And you know what the word of God is and church is? It's a really nice barrier between your children and, um, and the enemy who would like to destroy them. So stay alert. Now, I want to emphasize this even more. In the way they should go. Train up a child in the way they should go. Because we think about the Bible and we think about church a lot. But I I don't know if I've ever heard anyone really zero in on this in a sermon. I've heard the thought. But let me uh, expound a little bit. The the Hebrew word for the way is bent. According to their bent. And maybe a good way to think about it is the fingerprints of God on their lives. Because he created them a certain way. You cannot create your daughter or your son's personality. You cannot create their gifting. It's already there the moment they're born and they'll, they'll be able to grow in the things that are in them and those things as they're brought forward will bring incredible results. But often, we have a plan for our kids. If we're a business person, quite often we'd like them to take over our business or uh, to be a business person as well. But what if they're an artist? What if that's not their bent is business? What can happen? You know, I, I thought of this bench. Someone designed this bench. And uh, it, it's pretty sleek looking. And, you know, you sit on this stool. Everything works fine. I feel well supported. But what if I looked at the way this was designed and said, you know, I don't really like that. I think I'll sit on this end of this thing. And I'll do it the way I want to do it. Now, now it feels more like a toilet than a seat. And <laughs> this, the point is, if you're not careful... You can be uh, doing some bad work in your, in your children's life where you're going to make them feel like they're not very valuable because they're doing things they're not very good at. They're way, they're bent. The verse could be translated like this. Train up a child according to his way or her way. Meaning that personality that's in them, that unique wiring. They're different than any other person in the world. It comes from Psalm 11, the, the, the Hebrew word for bent, and uh, that's where it talks about a bow and an arrow. And in that time, the people looked for wood to make a bow from a limb, so they'd go through the forest, and they wouldn't just pick any old limb. They would pick one where the, where the grain was just right and the bow was just right, and then they would take that one and begin to work with it, and they would end up with a great and useful tool. And I guess a good way to look at that is is if you're going against the grain that God created in your child's life, you're going to frustrate them. 
I've seen it a number of times in the nearly 30 years of ministry that I've had. Well-intentioned, good people who totally love their children are pushing them to be athletes, pushing them so hard when they don't want to do it and they don't like it and they're not very good at it that it breaks their spirits. And it's not just athletics. It could be anything. Here's the deal. You can't create who they are. You can only discover who God created them to be. So the journey of a parent is to discover the way. What, who is this person that God created? Because honestly, I, I think of children the same way I think of, of money or material things in this respect. Not totally, but in this respect. I'm just a steward of everything that's in my hand. I don't own my house. I don't own a car. I'm just a steward. Everything I have, God owns. And here's the deal with my children. I don't own my children. They belong to God. And I get the joy of having them in my home. And it's true that there's flesh and blood there. But it's also true that I couldn't give them their personality and makeup. God has already done this. I need to discover who they are. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You see, everyone has a unique makeup. There's a great variety of spiritual gifts. Psalm 139 says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Every person has something of the fingerprints of God on them that is amazingly special. Now, you may not feel special, and this could be part of the reason. People have been trying to pigeonhole you the wrong way forever. But you are special according to God. And if we as parents will seek to discover who God, God has made our children to be, things will go better. They're not going to be as good at what you want them to be as they will be at what God made them to be. Let's say that again, real slow. Not that you're dumb, but I just need to say it so I can let it sink into my own spirit as well. They're not going to be as good at who you want them to be as they will be at who God made them to be. And here's a question to ask ourselves because it comes out even in these ways. Do I spend time doing the things I like to do with them or the things they like to do? Because sometimes even the time we spend with our children has to do with what we like, which certainly means we're not focusing in on who they are. I um, have found out that my kids who are adults now, um, there were certain ways they like to spend time together. There are things I like to do, uh, but they didn't. And uh, so I figured that out early. But here's, with Candace, who will be 20 this month, what I figured out is she liked to go shopping, and she would ask me to go on a regular, regular basis. That would cost me in more ways than one when I would go. <laughs> but my thought was, man, this beautiful young lady who God has placed in my home is desiring my presence. I just want to be with her. And it has been really cool through the years as we've uh, gone to the mall and hung out because there's always more than just walking into stores. And by the way, I never got any shopping done. I don't know how that worked out. But, but, and I like to shop. I'm, I'm one of those guys. You don't see many of them, but I, I'm one of them. And my, so much so, my wife doesn't like that. But um, <laughs> she sent me this. Karen did one time uh, because she thought of the way Candace and I spent time together through the years. And it's a quote by John Sinor. It says, it's, it's, it's admirable for a man to take his son fishing, but there's a special place in heaven for the father who takes his daughter shopping. 
Thank you, Karen, for sending that nice thought to me. I found out my son, one of the ways that he opens up and he just enjoys and he wants to get together is when we go eat somewhere. That costs me a little bit too. But I found out when we sit and he has food that he starts talking and everything opens up. And so I tried to, every, every, um, every week, all the way through school, I took Aaron to lunch, all the way through high school, every week. I'd carve out time in my schedule. Why? Because he liked it. I was willing to do that with Candace, but she got to be a sophomore, and Dad driving up to pick her up didn't feel as cool as for her. But that's cool, because I want to spend time the way she wants to spend time. But I want to be there, right? And in her senior year, she eventually did ask me to show up again, and we did that. But Aaron liked it, and it was a cool connection time for us. So... I did it the way that they liked it, spent time, and I got to discover who they were. Here's a key question to ask yourself, for us to ask ourselves about our children. Does my child believe that I like who they are and enjoy being with them? Because if they don't believe those things, we're doing something wrong. I like who you are, and I enjoy being with you. Sometimes we're not aware that the tension created, we've created it ourselves because they must do what we want or we're not feeling good about it and what we want might not even be the way God's created them sometimes. I'm not talking about sinful lifestyles. I'm talking about personality and gifting, the way God created them. Look your child in the eye and say something like this. You know what? You are so unique. Your personality is so special. Now this is for little kids. Too, right? You are so unique. Your personality is so special. You see, God wired you the way he did for a reason. And God wants to reflect a unique character quality from his personality through you. Support your children by discovering who God made them to be, the bent he gave them, the way, and then encouraging them to follow God with those gifts. Second thought today, and it's a good one on Mother's Day, how to support your mother and wife. First is to honor her. This is for husbands and children, and it says in Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Honor. Then you'll live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. We came across a video that I thought lent some good credence rather to to this topic with scriptural support, honoring mom, honoring your wife. Check this out.
hey, you women are incredible and we're going to honor you right now. Would you stand? If you're a mom, we'd like for you to stand right now and we're going to give them honor by thanking the Lord for them. Stand right now. Would you ladies, please? You might feel awkward, but we love you. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'm sorry for every time that teenager was a smart aleck to you. I need to call my mom and say I'm sorry as I think of that one. Um, I'm sorry we don't say it enough that you're special and you've given so much and we love you. Because really the truth is, God doesn't want us to honor just on Mother's Day. He wants us to honor these women on every day. Here's another thought for husbands when, when we're talking about supporting your wife. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7 that, that we as husbands should treat our wives as an equal partner. In the same way, you husbands must give honor, there it is again, to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. I, I uh, saw the word understanding, treat your wife with understanding, and I thought of this. It is impossible to truly understand your wife. <laughs> we need to offer prayer for that brother right now. It was all going well, bro, till that statement right there. Now, this is for her. It's com we can't understand unless we listen to her. Right? I, I'm just being, uh, he said amen on that one too. <clears throat> I'm just being honest with you. Listening, I'm, I'm not good at it. I'm, it's not an excuse for me not to try because I'm trying and I feel like I'm getting better. But it took me a long while to realize I didn't even listen hardly. I'm not naturally a good listener to anyone, and I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Often in a discussion or a disagreement with Karen, I will appear to be listening. This is like deceptive, and I don't even know where it comes from. When in actuality, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say next when her mouth stops moving. <laughs> so I didn't hear her. And she, you know, we've been married long enough. We have a pretty good relationship. She understands me. She'll catch me most of the time and say, did you hear what I just said? And I will nod my head as if to say yes, but what I really mean is, well, I obviously heard audible sounds moving through the room, but I'm not sure I comprehended those things. Nowadays, I'm learning to say, could you say that again? <laughs> Seek to understand her. Being understood is half the battle because you already love her a lot. And if she feels like you don't want to listen and you don't want to adjust, then she realizes there's, there's not truly honor there. I'm working really hard to be a better listener. It's not easy for me. I think I have ADD. Oh, look, a birdie. And um, <laughs> so my brain is always moving and going. 
And yet my wife is worthy of honor and she's worthy of my listening and I'm, I'm just committed to getting better. I promise you, there's nobody in here who's been a worse listener than I have been. And I want you to do what I'm doing. Take hold of it. Let's try. Let's, let's focus. Let's give it to her and listen and we'll find that her heart settles down and there's peace when she feels blessed and covered in those ways. It's a much better way and it speaks of her as an equal partner who doesn't listen to their partner what business person wouldn't listen to their partner only a bad one right if we're going to honor understand treat them as we should recognizing them as equal partners then we will hear their hearts and include them in all of our key decisions because they're bright and they're caring And God created them in a little bit different way. And if all the assets that God created for that couple where the two have become one, if they're not all used, then we're not making our best decisions. Then the third thing, love her with all your heart. Ephesians 5.33. So again, again, rather, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. You've heard it before, but I really like this. The most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. It's important because if we do that in the settings that our children grow up in, they have good information with which to process and do life. And they'll be better in their homes when they grow up and have relationships of their own. I knew I was hitting this um, at least one time in my life when that, Aaron, my son, was about 18 months old, and he, he could just flat talk. I mean, he was just saying full sentences way before he should have. And I remember I was working in the yard in Kaiser, Oregon, years ago where we lived, and Karen brought Aaron out uh, and handed him to me to get a kiss and say goodnight because he was going to bed. It was about 8, 8.30. I'm working in the dusk of the yard in, in summertime, and when she handed him to me, I hugged him up, and I said, I love you, son. And Aaron, at 18 months old, said, I love you too, hon. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? He heard that somewhere, didn't he? He heard it somewhere, and he was repeating it. And here's the truth. When we get it wrong, it's, it, it, it creates problems for our kids and their, their future. But when we get it right, it creates blessing for them and the importance of loving our wives and honoring uh, their mothers. A third thought today, how to support your dad and husband. Honor him. I'm using the same verse that I used for mom there. Honor your father and mother as the Lord God commanded you. Now, I, I don't believe that your parents are in charge of you when you leave the home uh, and, and you, you start a new relationship uh, with, with your spouse. Obviously, they're not in charge of the major direction of your life. But I believe the honoring part, there's an aspect of that that goes forever. Uh, I believe that it's important to call them if you're not around them, to talk to them, to go out of your way to spend time with them. I think it's good enough just to say they deserve it. But what I want you to know is it'll be a great blessing to you. You say, well, we didn't have the greatest relationship. Well, that's the beauty of God. He can make all things new, right? Right? He can take that that which is wrong and make it right. You say, well, they don't know Jesus. Well, all the more reason to let his love be seen through you. Things will change. Well, now let's, let's think of honoring 
dad in the home, honoring your husband. Part of the definition in the Hebrew is, is this word when it says to honor, to make weighty. That means to give weight to, to see it as important. It means to make a big deal about them with your words and your actions. To make weighty is to go out of your way. Encourage your husband, your dad. Affirm his importance in your life. To make weighty, honor. So here's a question for us. When was the last time you verbally encouraged your dad or your husband? So I'll think about that one for a moment. I find it interesting, because we're all God's children, right? I find it interesting that we really see the importance of dads affirming wives and dads affirming children. But rarely does our culture ever think about everybody else affirming dad. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. And it's wrong. We're supposed to make it weighty. We're supposed to make it a big deal to encourage and affirm them as well. You might say, well, he has problems. Well, you know what? I have a dad that's awesome and I love him, but he had some problems when I was growing up. He didn't do everything just right. But when I survey his whole life and look at the contribution he's made to me, he is incredible. When I look at what he had to deal with when he was a child and what he overcame to get to where he did, I realized that God had done amazing things in his life and he had been transformed to a great degree even when I was little and he wasn't perfect. He was coming closer and closer to Jesus. He's made some mistakes, but he's great and I love him. I think there are too many people in America who look at their dads and think of all the mistakes and they start to get bitter and think of only the bad things. It's really the American way to be critical of authority. Here's a paraphrase called the message of the verse Philippians 4.8. It says, sum it all up, friends. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. And here I want to focus on this last part with your dad. Think of things that are the best, not the worst. Now I know there's some deep abuse issues and this, this is if everything's working fairly right and there's, there's another sermon for that other that I'm not going to go there. I know some people have been terribly wounded by moms and dads. I think God can still help us work through that and reach to people who have even been the worst. But generally, let me say, that when it comes to your dad, he hasn't been perfect, I know. But try not to think of the worst. Well, how about if we just tried to think of the best and thank God for that? Because there's a lot of people who didn't get that in their lives. There's a lot of people who never had a dad show up one little iota in their life. There's a lot of people who've had terrible abuse that have come their way, have been abandoned, neglected, and abused, and, and you didn't have all those bad things happen. What if we thought of the best of it? The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. I honestly think that we need to rethink some of the things that have happened in relationship with mom and dad for the purpose of letting God's blessing flow. And when we do it his way, good things happen. So, honor him. And here's another thought. Let him be the leader. Ephesians 5.23. 
Hey, believe me, I, I'm kind of nervous when I come to this topic too in this culture. But I made a commitment a long time ago to the Lord uh, that, I, that I would do my best to declare the truth of the word as it is written even if it didn't feel good when I had, when I had to deliver it. Because this culture doesn't like it when you say Jesus is the only way. They don't like it when you say homosexuality is sin, just like adultery uh, uh, and heterosexual is sin. But at least as often as the word says these things, we need to speak them, right? Because he's a God who loves and a God who wants to protect and a God who wants to forgive and a God who changes and a God who wants to give heaven to every single person who will humble themselves. And now we come to a portion of the word where it says, for the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body, the church. And I like it that just before that, it says submit to one another. And I think that's cool. But it, and, I, and I do believe that we're partners. But I also believe that God made a structure because we can't escape the, these things either. The head, it said, in that passage. So yes, we submit to one another, but as the head, it said in that verse. And look what it says in 1 Peter 3, 5. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Well, there we have it again. It's true um, that our wives are brilliant and could have higher IQs, and in most cases probably do. And, and they're more beautiful. And there's so many great and wonderful things about them. But somehow in God's way, and God's structure, he wants men to lead. Now, let me tell you, why I'm the leader in my family. Here's why. Because Karen told me I could be. <laughs> That's absolutely the truth. Because submission, which is a word that is used in some versions of the Bible, uh, when it's speaking about these things, is something that's given of a free will. So guys, we could never, I mean, Jesus didn't force anybody, right? He never did. So dictatorship is not what this is talking about. We have a right to do anything we want. Jesus loved and he served and he laid down his life and these scriptures say that we're to do the same. But it does say that he has chosen for men to lead in their families and the only way we can lead ladies is if you give us the gift of submission. I... Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I was, I was a decent athlete in, in high school, and um, I remember one of my coaches coming to me and saying, we want you to be a captain this year. And it just alarmed me. I did not want to be a captain. Do you know why I didn't want to be a captain? Because there's responsibility there. And um, I didn't want to have it. My example would have to be good. I'd have to be early. I should stay longer. I know what leaders should do. I should care about every member of that team. I should work hard to, to help pull it all together at, at, even if it costs me extra time, extra work. I'd have to take some criticism as a leader. So when he first told me, I said, I'm not sure I want to be a leader. That's a funny thing to say to your coach, but that's what I said to him. I'm not sure I want to be the captain. Here's what he said to me, son, you already are a leader. We can see it out here on the floor. And if this team is going to be what it needs to be, then you need to take the responsibility of that gift in you and become a captain. And I did. And 
And I did all those things. I worked harder. I cared more about people. I, I, I took it seriously. And here's, here's probably what, this, I said that to say this to the ladies. He might not want to be the leader because it's hard. But if you will empower him, you will find that he'll step up in a way you haven't seen. To say, wow, she's letting me be the leader. I better take this serious. I have a responsibility for these kids, for my wife. It's spiritual. It's love. It's nurturing. I I better step up. I'm the leader. If you take that away from them, I don't think they feel those responsibilities in the same way. I'm not saying they're not loving, they're not good, they don't care. And I am saying you can lead. It's not like you're going to hell if, you know, the wife leads more than the husband. But it is true that if we don't follow the word the way it says, we have trouble. Now, I I would say that the Bible does say that you should uh, honor the authority of your man, but not man in general. (laughs) Meaning, I think it's possible for a woman to have spiritual authority way above her husband in another realm. But inside the home, right? Right? I know some guys whose, whose wives are also their pastors, And so that's unique because they have a spiritual authority, but that wife is so effective because she honors at home these thoughts that God has in his words, and yet she has a greater leadership gift in some ways. But honoring the the word, did you know that the Assemblies of God, which we're affiliated with, allows the gent up to the very highest position in the fellowship with over 12,000 churches in America, allows a woman to be in a place of leadership. I think that's cool. I think there are women, I'm not going to get into it, but there are women all through the Bible who had authority. Judges, prophetesses. And so, authority in the home is a little different than, than authority elsewhere. It's your man, not every, not every man. They, they, men can't control you. That's not what this is about. It's, but you, if you give the gift, you'll find great, great blessing. And the last thing, respect him. Ephesians 5.33, so again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So honor, respect, encouragement, appreciation, kindness. You give these things and he'll just keep getting better. You put a crown a few inches above his head. You say, he's not there. Put a crown a few inches above his head and you watch, he'll grow into it. Just like your little children. Because after all, I mean, here's, here's the deal. I I was just talking to our small group about this this week. I have to get up here and talk like I know everything. I don't know everything. I blow it sometimes. I'm not the best dad or the best husband, and yet I want to be, and I'm striving. I'm I'm asking God to help me, and I feel like I'm, I'm getting better. But my wife helps me get better by believing in me and loving me and allowing me to lead and calling me forward. Sometimes with tender words, sometimes with strong words. You can do it. You need to do it. Well, here's what I want you to know. You give him these things and he'll get better. You don't and he may get discouraged. Just like everybody else in your family, when there's no affirmation or encouragement, they can get discouraged. So can dad, so can your husband. Children. Make your honor weighty by saying words that are kind. Words that affirm what he's done, what he means, what he is in your life. And I promise you, you have a man who comes alive. When we support one another in these ways that we've talked about today, 
where every value, every member of the family feels valuable. See, because everyone is valuable in God's eye. But, but when we support one another in these ways, all of us feel valuable. None of us feel threatened. When we don't, when we are antagonistic and point fingers and you and did this and that and it starts to go downhill and it gets harder and harder to, to get back the further and the deeper we go with harsh words and criticism. But the end result of these things I'm speaking of today will be a great place to live. God's will for your family, for your children, for your wife, for the husband. Here's our memory verse in our small groups this week. 1 John 4, 11 and 19. Two verses together. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love because God first loved us. 